Hello and good morning, my friends. I trust that you are all well in the Lord. I truly thank God for all that he is doing in our lives in these challenging times. I invite you today to join me once again to read from God's word and to hear and to know what God is telling us today. My name is Nemron Bai from Koinonia Ministries in Nairobi. Today our sermon uh, is drawn and from the book of here. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. As many of us may know, according to the church calendar, today is a day when we remember the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down from heaven and fell upon the waiting 120 disciples of Jesus Christ. And so uh, I have titled our discussion today, God's New Creation, because the Spirit gives new birth. He was active at creation and gave birth to the old creation. And on that day of Pentecost, a new creation was born. And we shall be looking at that this morning. Shall we pray? I thank you, Lord, for being with us. These are challenging times, difficult times. But Lord, your presence makes all the difference. I want to thank you for staying with us, for blessing us. And I want to pray for all those who may be finding things difficult, that Lord, you may stand with them and give them courage and strength and encourage them to carry on. And I pray in the name of Christ Jesus, our loving Savior. Amen. Now, the word of God says as follows. Uh, and, and once again, it's Acts, the book of Acts of Apostles, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. So after the Holy Spirit had come upon their 120 disciples, their life and their lifestyles changed dramatically. They began this new life in the Holy Spirit who had come down as Jesus had promised to be with them permanently. 
not like in the Old Testament, when he used to come upon people caught on mission and then departed when the mission was complete. Now the, the, the Holy Spirit is to be upon all believers in Christ on a permanent and on a going basis. We need to thank God for that. Now, after the coming of the Holy Spirit, we normally say that that is the day when the church was born. The church, if we are in need of a definition, may be defined actually as, as, a, as the people of God, meeting together in the presence of God. Therefore, um, the church represents God on earth. Jesus said as follows, again, I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with him. Now from a scripture reading, it is clear that the disciples were in agreement about the things that were wrong and needed fixing. Our focus today is on the church as God's new creation. First, let us ask ourselves what became of the original creation of the old or the old creation. So let us, um, let, let me just uh, cover a little of the background to that. The story begins in Genesis, of course, um, chapter one and chapter two of Genesis covers the creation of, of the physical world in chapter one, and then the creation of human beings uh, in chapter two, uh, gen I mean, generally speaking, chapter and uh, chapter three to 11, things started going downhill for human beings and for all creation. For in chapter three, men or human beings rebelled against their creator. And the following generation continued to rebel against God culminating with the Tower of Babel in chapter 11. In between, of course, there was a, there was a flood during Noah's time, but even after Noah's time, the family uh, was blessed by God. Uh, the following generations continued to sin God, against God, until God was grieved that he ever created man. In Genesis chapter 12, that is a turning point. That is because that is when God called Abraham and appointed him to be the founder and the father of a new generation of human beings who would live to glorify God by living according to God's standard of morality and holiness. God specifically said to Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make you, I'll make your name great 
and will be a blessing. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. And this is a blessing we are seeing being recorded uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament, particularly. Now, later on in chapter 15 of, uh, of Genesis, God confirmed his promise to Abraham and also told him that God, he would give him as many children, as numerous as the stars in the sky. Abraham's call was therefore a call to be the father of a new creation. As the father of a new society of people who lived by faith in God, are people who loved God above all and lived in submission to his moral law and practiced justice and righteousness, are people among whom God was pleased to live, are people engaged in God's mission on earth. And the nation of Israel was actually given this responsibility, but as we know, they also rebelled against God, ending up in exile. Then the New Testament begins with the, with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And then uh, after he ascended back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit as he had promised. And as we have noted already, that is how the church was born, the new creation. So the New, the new Testament teaches that uh, Jesus is actually the blessing to the nations that God had promised Abraham. And the church represents the children of Abraham who are to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. We, as a church of Christ, are the blessing of Abraham that is also to bless the nations of the world. So when God, Christ commissioned his disciples to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, he was telling them, in actual fact, go and bless the nations with the blessing God promised Abraham and his offspring. And so in, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 7, 9, uh, we, uh, John saw in his vision, people gathered in heaven before the throne of God, multitudes upon multitudes of people who could not be counted. And there were people from every nation on earth every tribe, every people and every language on earth. We have um, observed so far that the original human family disobeyed God and therefore lost their privileged position in the presence of God. According to Apostle Peter, on that day of Pentecost, in his sermon, the coming of the Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of a prophecy, specifically the prophecy of prophet Joel. And it marked the beginning of the countdown to the end of human history. It was the beginning of the countdown towards the promised great and glorious day of the Lord. And the church of Jesus Christ is privileged to be the society on earth that will receive the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Well, we ourselves may not be there, 
but of course we shall join, uh, we shall be joined together with those who will be uh, alive because then after the Christ returns, at the coming of Christ, all those who are dead in Christ shall be raised according to scripture. So we are, the, we are privileged, we are the, 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 the new creation because we have this privilege of being entrusted with God's mission on earth. We have the responsibility of holding things together until Christ returns. What a privilege indeed. And as we said not too long ago, as goes the church, so goes the world. What we do or what we don't do as the church of Christ will have consequences uh, in the rest of the world. We know from the scriptures and from history that the first century church, that is the apostolic church, took their commission very seriously. Within a fairly short time, it is, it is recorded, in spite of persecution and all manner of obstructions, they were able to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, actually to the, to the known world, to the ends of the, of, the, of, the, of the world as it was known at the time. And the gospel so revolutionized the world that when Paul and Cyrus came to the Salonika, they were accused of turning the world upside down. And that is our business, my friends, at the Church of Christ, to turn the wide the world upside down. Our scripture reading gives us an idea how this was done by the apostles. And so let us look at what life was uh, in the first century church after the Holy Spirit had come down upon them on the day of Pentecost. Now, what does a Holy Spirit-filled church look like? Or what do Holy Spirit-filled people look like? Now, the, the, the scripture that we read tells us that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, to the breaking of the bread, to prayer. And we are told that God manifested his presence in very wonderful and very particular, uh, spectacular ways. But it's not only that, their hearts were filled and consumed with the love for humanity. They shared everything together. Those who had property sold it and brought the, the, the money to the apostles and it was shared um, among the people according to need. In another uh, scripture, in Acts chapter four actually, we read as follows. They were of one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of the possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. There were no needy, there were no needy persons among them. My friends, I would suggest we underline this one right in our Bibles. There were no needy persons among them. Nothing like this has ever happened to any other society on earth and in history, except God's new creation inspired by the Holy Spirit. No, there were no needy persons among them should also be the goal 
of our ministries and our mission on earth. Far, for from time to time, the scripture goes, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. The church therefore uh, means people so connected to God and to each other that they are like one large happy family. Indeed, the church is God's family on earth. Jesus had told his disciples that it is by their love that the people of the world will know that they were disciples of Jesus Christ. So love and sacrificial sharing of resources was both preached and practiced everywhere the gospel was proclaimed. Let us ask ourselves, what is the nature of the church today? In my own opinion, this is not what the church is today. It is nothing like the apostolic church. Even though we have the same spirit, this, even though we have more privileges than the apostles, the church is nothing like the apostolic church. The church today is divided along denominations, along doctrines, along ethnicity, social and economic and, and you know, political considerations, among other, um, other, um, other things. We have become lovers of money. We have become lovers of wealth, lovers of status and fame. Many of us want celebrity status. Yes, we have become worldly and we have neglected our principal calling to bless the nations with the blessing of Jesus. And then what should we do? First, Jesus on earth. Is that here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one of whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. The servant in question is of course, Jesus Christ. At the beginning of his public ministry, it will be recorded that he declared that the spirit of the Lord had anointed him to preach the good news to the poor and to set free all those held in various forms of bondage. The word of Jesus' day had been impoverished and the, render, and the people rendered destitute by the oppressive occupation of the Roman uh, authorities. Jesus, most of his ministry among the and healed their sick, opened the eyes of the blind, fed, fed the hungry, comforted those who were grieving, and even raised Christ had begun. They, pre they were devoted uh, to scripture, to prayer, 
and to the fellowship as we have seen, but particularly cared for the needy, for the poor, for the sick, just as their Lord had done. My friends, our world is not in any better state. Vital resources in Africa and the third world generally have been looted and overexploited by a few powerful and corrupt individuals at the expense of the majority. Several decades ago, Kenya was described as a nation of 10 millionaires and 10 million beggars. The population is now over 40 million and the situation is therefore 40 million, 40, 40 millionaires against 40 million beggars. The problem, my friends, is not a shortage of resources. It is not that there is a shortage of resources, but the truth is that those available resources have been inequitably distributed. In the past, the church was very vocal about this form of injustice, but today we are all too quiet. And I wonder why. It reminds me of Rwanda that I once did dog bone. nature of um, the, the, the mission of Jesus Christ on earth is the mission of liberation, of setting people free from oppression, from exploitation, from disease, of course, of, from, from sin, liberation, freedom from sin is the is, is, is first priority. But we don't leave things there. We have to address the social, the economic, another and, 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 and other um, issues concerning the people around us. Meanwhile, as we wait for this liberation to be completed at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the creation groans in pain, in their oppression and in their frustration, so sees the scripture. And the church too groans even as we wait for our own redemption from the limitations of physical our physical bodies. And the Holy Spirit as well groans as he intercedes for us and helps us in our weakness, helping us also to pray. Uh, that is what Paul says in, in Romans chapter eight. My point, my friend, is that the work of the church is far and wide. It is far greater and more delicate. It is even more dangerous than we presume it to be. It is comparable to the mission of Moses to Egypt. For the Bible tells us that the real contest was not between Moses and Pharaoh. It was between God and the gods of Egypt. We just cannot afford to take things as lightly as we seem to be doing, my friends. We are engaged in spiritual battles. The early church devoted themselves to the teaching of the word of God, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, to prayer, and of course, to world missions. And as we have already seen, and we need to constantly repeat, the power of the Holy Spirit was upon them so that they were both effective and effective 
efficient in their ministry and in their mission. Eventually, history, history tells us the gospel was preached in Rome. And in the course of time, the Roman Empire was converted to Christ. So what is the need of the hour, my friend? First of all, we need to be challenged by those few disciples who were so underprivileged and under-equipped, and yet they were able to do so much. But what I'm, what I'm saying is the need of the hour today is this. The world needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my humble request to my brethren, fellow Christians, and to the Church of Jesus Christ at large, is let us return to the Lord. Let us return to the Lord and his mission. Let us go and bless the nations. Let us take the good news about Jesus Christ to the world that is currently in pain, in fear, in anguish, and in desperation. Let us go, my friends, and turn the world upside down for Jesus. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Kindly look at the number below there and uh, do feel free to call us even now. We are live, as I said. You can uh, request for prayers or ask answers, uh, ask questions, and we shall seek, try to answer them. In the meantime, may the God bless you. Amen.